I trust you have your Bible by now. I hope you have it open to Psalm, uh, to the 13th Psalm, <clears throat> which is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Well, things have changed uh, rapidly over the last 10 days, haven't they? Uh, things, have, um, things have gotten to a place where most of us uh, would, would never have expected in our lifetimes, much less in such a short period of time. The word that I've heard over and over again is the word surreal. You want to talk about a surreal feeling, a surreal feeling standing in front of an empty congregation talking to my phone. That's a surreal situation. And really that's just uh, the tip of the iceberg to all of the all of the things that are going on around us that, that give us that surreal feeling. Sunday before last, if I would have told you that the NBA, that March Madness, that NASCAR, NASCAR never cancels for anything, and the Masters, the Kentucky Derby, the Kentucky Derby if I would have told you two Sundays ago that all of those things would be canceled this year or at least postponed indefinitely, you wouldn't have believed me. I wouldn't have believed it. You wouldn't have believed me if I would have told you that almost every business in town, including the mall, including theaters, including all of those things, you wouldn't have believed me if I would have told you that all of those things are going to be shut down. You certainly wouldn't have believed me if I would have told you that nearly every church in town has their doors closed this morning. Now, we thank God for the technology that allows us to do the the online feeds and the live feeds and all of that. But you wouldn't have believed me two weeks ago if I would have said, well, we're not going to be able to gather for church. We'll just have to, uh, we'll just have to handle it online. You wouldn't have believed me if I would have told you those things two Sundays ago. Well, a lot's happened in the last 10 days, hasn't it? A lot of things you never expected have happened in our world. A lot of things you never would have expected have happened in our states. Uh, a lot of things that you never would have expected have happened in our towns and in our community. A lot of things that you would have never expected have happened in your church. And really, a lot of things that you never would have expected have happened to you in these last 10 days. Now, when we're looking at this psalm this morning, this 13th psalm, we, we don't really know the background. We don't really know the situation that was going on that, that caused the Holy Spirit to inspire David to write this. We do know that it's a psalm of David. It was written by King David under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But really, that's all that we know about it. We don't know the particular circumstance that he was going through. We, we don't know... What was causing him the burden that he writes about in this passage? And really, that's just as well. Because if we would have known the particular situation that he was in when he wrote this, then it'd be really tempting for us to try to compare our situation to his situation. But that's not what it's about. Whatever David's circumstances were, all that we know is that they were bad. And any way that you want to look at it, <clears throat> this morning, as you're watching this, we, we know that we're in, that each of us are in varying degrees of bad circumstances. You might have lost your job over this. There are several folks in our congregation who have already lost their jobs over this. 
you might be retired and living off of your 401k or living off of your retirement funds and you watch the stock market just absolutely eat away at your at your finances you might be afraid for your own health you might be afraid for the health of your family you might have been looking forward to graduation or looking forward to your wedding or looking forward to a baby shower and now those things are all either canceled or they're just up in the air you you might have lost a loved one and you can't even plan a decent funeral for them during this time every cough or every sneeze i mean i've got this the you know the allergies from the bradford pears and every time that i cough or sneeze around anybody they look at me like i got three heads every cough or sneeze brings suspicion it brings fear And every press conference, every time one of our politicians gets up on the television, it seems like it brings another round of restrictions or another round of warnings or something like that. Any way that we want to look at it, we are in increasingly difficult circumstances, just like David was when he wrote this psalm. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else from me this morning, I want you to hear this. God is bigger than any of your circumstances. God is bigger than anything that you might be going through as an individual, that we might be going through as a society. God is bigger than your circumstances. And because God is bigger than your circumstances, He's able to give you a supernatural calm. He's able to give you a supernatural peace. He's able to give you a supernatural joy in the middle of whatever circumstance you might be going through just like he did for David in our passage this morning. But on the way to getting that peace and joy and calm, sometimes you need to start with the question. And that's where David started in verses 1 and 2. Look back with me at verses 1 and 2 again. David starts off, he says, says, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Sounds like he's getting up in God's face, doesn't it? I mean, he's just throwing these questions at God. You know, I I don't know if it was the way that I received the teaching or whether it was what I was actually taught. But I've heard over and over throughout my life. I've heard people say that, no, you don't, you don't dare question God. Don't, don't dare. When you're going through circumstances, don't dare question God. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's bad advice. That's bad advice in regular times. That's certainly bad advice in times like these. It's bad advice because it's not biblical advice. We see right in front of us, we see how David, a man after God's own heart, how David starts off by just firing some some brash questions to God. I mean, after all, if you can't question God, then how do you expect him to answer you? Where else are you going to get answers about this mess that we're in? Are you going to get them from the government? Are you going to get them from the scientists? Are you going to get the answers that you need from the doctors? Are you going to get the answers that you need from the news media? Are you going to get the answers that you need from me? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking any of those folks. We, we need those. We need all those folks. And God has blessed us with them. And all of us 
who have varying degrees of leadership over people. All of us are trying to do the best that we can to get our arms wrapped around this thing. But the problem is, is all of our arms are too short. But God's arms aren't. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. I want to write that verse down and refer back to it over these next few days. Isaiah 59, 1. No, God's arms are not too short. His ear is not dull that he cannot hear. So ask him. Ask him. He's big enough to handle any questions that you want to throw at him. He's big enough for that. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And we know that word Abba, that's that's the word in the vernacular of the day, that's the word for daddy. We've received that spirit that we can cry out to God as daddy. See, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Master and Savior, you can cry out to Him with anything. You can cry out to Him just like a child would cry out to their daddy when they don't understand or when they don't get what's going on. And what kind of a daddy would God be if He didn't patiently and lovingly listen to your questions? See, whatever circumstance that David was going through prompted him to ask God, he said, God, how long? In the middle of his turmoil, he felt like God had forgotten him, so he asked God, he said, God, are you going to forget me forever? He felt like God had turned his back on him, so he asked God, he said, God, he said, Daddy, how long are you going to hide your face from me? David was anxious, he was scared, he was worried, he was depressed, he was turned inward and he was tied up in knots because of what he was going through. So he asked God, he said, oh God, oh daddy, how long am I going to have to be like this? And whatever or whoever it was that was coming against David, it felt like that that they were winning, it felt like they were whipping his tail. So he asked God, he said, Daddy, how long is this thing going to continue to whip my tail? Listen to me. It's not only okay to ask God tough questions, it's good to ask God tough questions. Now you need to understand, he might not... And he probably won't give you the answers to those why questions. But even though he probably won't give you the answers to those why and those how long questions, you can rest assured that he knows them all. He knows the end from the beginning. His plans for you have not changed just because your personal finances are a mess right now. His plans for you haven't changed because of your health or because of your concerns about your family or your friend's health. No, God's plans haven't changed for you just because you might run out of toilet paper. God's plans for you have not changed. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you. Do you think God has forgotten His plans for you? It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plan, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. 
No, God's plans for you have not changed. They've not changed one little bit. They haven't shaken. They haven't moved. God's plans for you have not changed one little bit, no matter what you're going through right now. So it's okay to question God. But when you question God in the right way, we need to move from the question to the cry. And that's what David did in verses 3 and 4. He said, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Now notice how David moves here from asking God questions to making requests of God. He's, he starts with answering the unanswerable questions to moving to asking God specifically for things. He starts with the how long questions, the why questions, the why me, why not them questions. And, and just to just to reiterate this, God is big enough and He's gracious enough and He's merciful enough to receive those questions when when we ask Him. But very rarely does He answer them. The prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament minor prophets, the prophet Habakkuk, he starts his writing off. He's basically in a conversation with God, and he starts his writing off by asking God a whole series of how long and why questions. He just, it's like he badgers God with these how long and these why questions. You know what God's answer was to him? In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 all-knowing wonder of God's unfolding plans and purposes. We couldn't begin to grasp it anyway. So even though God doesn't give you the answer to your why questions, you can rest in the fact that He's in control and that He's got it all figured out. And because you can rest in the fact that He's in control and He's got it all figured out, that means that even though He won't probably won't answer your why questions, He will. So come to Him with your financial needs. Come to Him with your health needs and your burdens about those, your worries and your concerns. Come to Him with your emotional needs. Come to Him with your burdens. See, when David wrote this, he was in what you might call a blue funk. He was down. He he was depressed to the point that it wasn't like that somebody was telling him to be uh, to be quarantined or to sequester himself. No, he was he was depressed and he was he was blue enough that he wanted to crawl in a hole and die. Isn't that what he said in verse three? He said his his eyes were dim. That didn't mean that he was going physically blind. What it meant was that he lost the sparkle in his eye. He lost that spark for life. He lost that zeal. He lost his his vigor. He was just down. This was more than just a bout of sadness. No, he was so weighed down with the events around him that he was that he was depressed. Listen to me. Um, depression is real. It's a real thing, and it can be magnified, and it can be multiplied during times like these, times of isolation. Now, depression is a real thing. It's easy to fall to fall into during times like these. David was so depressed that he felt like dying. Now, does that mean that he was suicidal? I don't know. Could have been. But he was so depressed that he didn't care if he lived or died, either one. 
Depression is a real thing, and the answer to depression is not to try to deny it. The answer to depression is not to try to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and say, I, I, can, I can handle this on my own. No, the answer to depression is first to tell God about it. And then to tell, to find a brother or sister in Christ, to find somebody in your church family to talk to about it. We can't do a lot of talking face to face right now, but you can certainly give somebody a call. You can certainly give me a call. Talk to a brother or sister in Christ about it. David asked God, he asked him specifically, God put the sparkle back in my eyes. And notice that he said, put the sparkle back in my eyes, whether or not God decided to take the enemy away. He asked God to take the shaking fear away, even as he faced his foes. You know, it's good for us to ask God to take this virus away, to restore our economy, to restore your finances, to restore your health. It's good for us to ask God to do those things. But, but realize that here in this passage, David could, could have asked God to take away his enemy. He could have asked God to fix the circumstance that he was in that was causing him to feel the way that he was. Now, he did that in other places, and it's good to do that. But even more importantly than that, here in our passage that we're looking at, here he asked God to take away his fear in the face of the enemy. He asked God to take away his anxiety, to take away his worry, to take away his gloom, to take away his depression, even if his circumstances might not ever change, or even if his circumstances might get worse. Listen, the governor, the president, the CDC, the World Health Organization, you, me, none of us knows what tomorrow holds. And even if any of us knew what tomorrow holds... We can't control it. You can either let that reality freak you out. You can either let that reality make you want to crawl in a hole and die. You can let that reality take you in some pretty dark emotional places. Or you can let that lack of control cause you to rest in the only one who really has control. Ask him all the questions that you want to. Then cry out to him to take away your fear, to give you the peace that passes all understanding, to give you that calm no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances are. And when you do that, we believe that God answers prayer. And we see the evidence of it right here in this passage. We believe that God will give that peace to you. Ask the questions, pour out the cry, and he'll give you the calm. Look at verses 5 and 6. He said, but, uh, if you circle in your Bible, that's a good one to circle. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You see how Davis changed his perspective here? And like I said, you can see it with that. It's just an amazingly powerful little conjunction there. That word, but. 
He's changed his whole demeanor. He's changed his whole outlook. He started with desperate questioning. Why? Why, God? How long are you going to let me suffer? Where are you in the middle of all of this, God? And then he moves to heartfelt cries. God, get me out of this. Get me out of this funk. God, take away this fear. God, take away this anxiety and this depression and this gloom. And then here in verses 5 and 6, we see that God has answered his prayer. But notice that God didn't answer his prayer by changing his circumstances, did he? He hasn't supernaturally destroyed David's enemies. Now, God can do that, and sometimes he does. Sometimes we see throughout Scripture, sometimes he did it for David. But not here. Not now. Now, God chose not to take the storm away. Now, God chose to give David peace in the middle of the storm. Notice how God did it. God did it through David changing through God. God did it through David's faith declarations. I want to be careful here. I don't want to sound like, you know, one of those name it, claim it. False teachers. There's a whole industry of false teaching out there that says that we can name something in prayer and whatever it is, we can claim it in faith. It says, you know, if I want a new car, I can name or visualize that car in prayer. I can claim it by faith. If I can just muster up enough faith, then poof, all of a sudden I got this new car on the way. Now that's, that's false teaching. Matter of fact, that's false teaching direct from the pits of hell. So don't fall for that kind of teaching. That's, that's false teaching, whether it's applied to a Corvette or the coronavirus. No, this isn't about name it, claim it. No, your faith is not some sort of a self-generated superpower that enables you to get whatever it is that you want as long as you can muster up enough faith in yourself. No, that's not what it is. Because we have to understand that good, godly, spirit-filled believers lose their jobs. Good, godly, spirit-filled believers suffer depression. Good, godly, spirit-filled believers suffer, period. We have to understand that. Good, godly, spirit-filled believers aren't looking for their best life now. We're not looking for our best life now. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, he said, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, that's not having your best life now, is it? He says, If we know that if the earthly tent that is our earthly if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. See, as a believer. Your hope isn't in scientists. Your hope isn't in doctors. Your hope isn't in government officials. We're thankful for them and we pray for them. We should pray for them and we should listen to them and honor their requests when we can. But our hope is not in them. Your hope is in God. As that song says, and it's come to my mind over and over and over again this week. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. See, even in times like these, you can trust in God's steadfast love. 
God loves you so much that He sent His very own Son to die for you. Do you think that He's going to let a virus or a paycheck get in the way of that? He loves you so much that He saved you from sin and wrath and eternal punishment in hell. He loves you so much that even now He is pouring out His bountiful blessings on you. Now, it might be tough to see those bountiful blessings right now. That's why you need to do like verse 3 says. Remember what David asked God back up in verse 3? He asked him to light up his eyes. <laughs> light up his eyes so that you can see his bountiful blessings through your anxiety and through your grief and through your worry and through your fear and through your uncertainty. And when that happens, oh, you're going to sing. You're going to sing. You're going to rejoice. How long? For a whole lot longer than this current crisis is going to last. I'll tell you that. So where do we find ourselves right now? We're in a troubling, uncertain time. You might feel like God's forgotten you. You might feel like God is hiding His face from you. You might feel like this virus and this economic crisis is is causing you to overload on worry and anxiety and fear. And you might feel like that worry and that anxiety and that fear is getting the best of you. But listen to me. God loves you with a steadfast love that cannot be broken. When you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Master and Savior, He's promised that He is actively taking all of the circumstances of life. He's actively working all of those circumstances together for your good and for His glory. No, He's not forgotten you. He's not hiding from you. He's already won the victory over all of His enemies and over all of your enemies. So trust in His steadfast love. Trust in His steadfast love, not just in general, but His steadfast love for you. Rejoice in your salvation. And whether or not you think you can sing, even as you're sitting here, even as we finish up, even as you're sitting here watching this, this, song, this, this screen, I want you to sing to the Lord with all your heart. Because He has... He is and He will continue to always deal bountifully with you.